Section six of the Central Period of the Middle Age, nine eighteen to twelve seventy three by Beatrice A. Lees. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter three France under the Carolingians and Capetians, nine eighteen to eleven o eight, part one. Nowhere was the struggle between monarchy and aristocracy more marked than in the kingdom of the west franks or france nowhere did the great fiefs the provincial nationalities become more independent of the central power more completely states within a state the dukes of aquitaine burgundy normandy and brittany the counts of flanders vermandois champagne and toulouse were all more truly sovereigns than the impoverished descendant of charles the great who nominally ruled the kingdom from his rock-bound fortress capital of laon as early as eight eighty eight a great feudal noble oude or odo the deliverer of paris from the vikings had been elected king of the west franks though after his death charles the simple a prince of the old carolingian line had recovered the crown of his fathers eight ninety three to nine twenty nine he failed to hold his own against his turbulent vassals in nine twenty two three years after the accession of henry the fowler in germany robert count of paris odo's brother was raised to the french throne by the help of his powerful sons-in-law herbert count of vermandois and rudolph duke of burgundy in the following year nine twenty three robert fell in fight with the partisans of charles the simple and rudolph of burgundy succeeded him charles the simple was taken prisoner by his enemies and ended his days in captivity but his wife edgiva daughter of the west saxon king edward the elder fled with her little son louis to her father's court when rudolph died in nine thirty six after a troubled reign in which lorraine which had adhered to charles the simple became part of the german kingdom the leading man in france was robert's gifted son hugh the great but loyalty to the old royal house was still strong the rival feudatories were suspicious and jealous and prudence led hugh to play the part of king-maker rather than that of king he recalled from his english exile and placed on the throne of france louis d'outremer the son of charles the simple nine thirty six to nine fifty four while he contented himself with the substance of power and the title and authority of duke of the franks dux francorum lord of neustria between seine and loire duke of francia north of the seine and overlord of burgundy champagne blois chartres and anjou with his capital at paris he might well feel himself master of both king and kingdom but the young louis developed an unexpected spirit of resistance and refused to submit to hugh's guidance two parties were formed and each side sought an alliance with otto the great who gave his support first to hugh then to louis who married gerberga otto's sister an accident cut off louis prematurely in nine fifty four and though his son lothar was elected king nine fifty four to nine eighty six hugh was the real ruler of france until his death in nine fifty six his eldest son hugh afterwards called hugh capet 
succeeded him as duke of the franks his second son odo was invested with the duchy of burgundy it was doubtless the narrowness of his own patrimony as compared with the vast estates of his vassals that tempted lothar to take advantage of the death of otto i to try to conquer lorraine he entered aachen but was forced to retire while otto ii in revenge invaded france took laon and marched almost to the gates of paris lothar came to terms yet no sooner did the sudden death of otto ii throw germany into confusion than he resumed his ambitious schemes and allied himself with henry of bavaria the rival of the little otto III. he thus alienated the imperial party in germany while gerbert now teaching at reims and adelberon archbishop of reims were intriguing in favour of hugh capet lothar king of france wrote gerbert is only supreme in name hugh is not supreme in name but in fact supported by the church and by the greater feudatories of france hugh was not long in winning the name of king also in nine eighty six lothair died his son and successor louis v survived him for less than a year the only legitimate carolingian candidate for the throne was louis v's uncle charles duke of lower lorraine a vassal of the emperor as much german as french hugh's opportunity had come a great assembly of lay and ecclesiastical magnates was held at Saint-Lys. the throne said the archbishop of reims is not acquired by hereditary right he only ought to be raised to it who is distinguished both by nobility of birth and by wisdom of mind who is fortified by loyalty and strengthened by magnanimity if you wish to make the country miserable choose charles if you desire its happiness crown the glorious duke hugh as king elected unanimously hugh capet was crowned and consecrated by adelberon of reims on july third nine eighty seven the accession of the first capetian king has been regarded as the true beginning of the history of france there had been elective kings of the same house before odo robert and robert's son-in-law rudolf of burgundy but none had succeeded in founding a dynasty whereas the descendants of hugh capet ruled over france until the great revolution of the eighteenth century the capetian kings owed their immediate success and their permanent establishment on the french throne partly to their ability and partly to a fortunate chain of circumstances they were great feudal princes first among their peers at a time when all society was taking a feudal form they were great landed proprietors when to hold land was essential to political power rooted in the soil they stood firm when the carolingians were swept away but they were something more than feudal lords they claimed to be the successors of the merovingian and carolingian sovereigns they represented the old west frank monarchy the close ally of the catholic church that ecclesiastical monarchy which had been founded by clovis and restored by charles the great the church was the real prop and stay of the new dynasty it was to the interest of the capetian monarchs to figure as the heirs of the ancient line when the great vassals were anxious to regard them merely as glorified feudatories the elected heads of the feudal order of society 
the capetians took advantage of both conceptions of kingship the roman and ecclesiastical conception of the absolute undivided sovereignty of the divinely appointed monarch the lord's anointed and the feudal conception of the supreme lord or suzerain they used both conceptions to extend their authority and influence moral and material by long and patient labour they thus finally succeeded in gathering into their own hands the scattered threads of political power and in building up a strong national monarchy in the duel between king and feudatories the king in france was the ultimate victor the nine years of hugh capet's reign were comparatively uneventful nine eighty seven to nine ninety six charles of lorraine was still master of the old carolingian capital of laon and he found a valuable ally in arnulf archbishop of reims adalberon's successor not till nine ninety one was the dynastic revolution completed by the betrayal of the city of laon to hugh and the capture of charles and arnulf charles died in the following year and arnulf in spite of the remonstrances of the pope was deprived of his archbishopric which was given to gerbert in nine ninety six when hugh capet died there was no resistance to the accession of his son robert who had been crowned in his father's lifetime the reigns of the three immediate successors of hugh capet robert the second henry the first and philip the first which cover the whole of the eleventh century from nine ninety six to eleven o eight seem at first sight singularly devoid of interest in reality they are the period when slowly but surely the french monarchy was securing its position regulating its relations to the great feudatories and extending the royal demesne the territory under the direct lordship of the king while the kings of germany were winning the imperial crown in italy reforming the papacy or contesting the papal claims to supremacy the kings of france surrounded by ambitious vassals were with difficulty maintaining a bare existence at home by following a hand-to-mouth policy pressing every claim and seizing every chance in an unequal struggle with the forces of feudalism there only remained to them it has been well said the memories of the past the hope of seeing their virtual power become a reality in the future and in the present the sympathy of the monks and clerks for the man whom the anointing oil had sanctified yet in the end the french monarchy triumphed where the german monarchy failed for the french kings devoted themselves to the task of establishing a strong central government while the german kings were distracted by the variety of their interests and the responsibility of their imperial position in france too the national monarchy found its best support in the national church while in germany the fatal rivalry between empire and papacy broke the alliance between church and king End of section six